Genesis 18, and we're going to begin reading at verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal needed, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man, and he hastened to dress it. He took butter and milk and the calf which he dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying that I, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Men rose up from thence and looked, Toward Sodom and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. We know the Lord will bless again the reading of his own word, but let's just buy in a word of prayer, please. Eternal Father, we thank you for so many to come out on a holiday night. And Lord, even though it's even warm in here, we thank you, Lord, that you've brought people out under the sound of your word. We thank you, Lord, you've put it in their hearts and placed it here to, for them to be in this place. And we ask you, Lord, that you'd speak to every one of us. Lord, we ask you, Lord, you direct us in your word. Challenge us. And Lord, that we may leave this place the better for being here this evening. Because maybe said it was here that we met with you. So Lord, in all things that are said and done in this house tonight, may it be to the glory and to the honor of your son, the Lord Jesus. We love you because you first loved us. We thank you that you did, Lord. We're grateful. We're glad. So now, Father, we pray, settle us 
in your presence, even in our seats. Lord, that we may come under thy word, which has authority, life-giving word, which is able to save the soul, to strengthen the heart. In Jesus' name we pray and ask it. Amen. There are four searching questions, or four questions that tried Abraham's faith here. These men that come to Abraham's door, and we tend to think, well, they, he got them a calf and they had something to eat. It's not like you and I would run down to the corner shop here. And it's not like you and I would go to this local supermarket and be able to lift uh, uh, some, or some butchers and lift uh, uh, so many pounds of meat to feed these people. Rather, it took time to prepare, and it took work, and it took labor, and careful handling of what was to happen. It took time to cook. So there's a lot of time has passed between these 18 verses of our chapter. It's not just like a blink of an eye, and it happened, pulled it out of the cupboard in the back of the tent. But rather, it all had to be prepared, had to be made ready, and effort was put into this meal for these visitors. We're told that in the Word of God that the Lord has spoken before through the prophets, here coming to speak to Abraham and so on. For example, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says in verse 1, God who at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last times spoken unto us by his Son. The Spirit of God spoke through the prophets to the people, even to Abraham. Abraham was a prophet, by the way. People think he was just a patriarch. No, he was a prophet. He was a patriarch and he was a prophet. And God's Spirit spoke through the prophets throughout the Scripture to show, to reveal himself unto Israel, unto his people. And so God reveals himself at certain times and in various ways, like a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. He reveals himself in many different ways of theophany, angelic as it were, what we would know as an angelic appearance of the invisible God. Jesus before Bethlehem. And notice here we find that God who at sundry times in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is that man, the God-man. He is fully God, yet fully man. Fused but not confused. Two natures dwelling in the one. And here we find that Jesus now he is not only prophet, but son of God, speaking to us. Reversing back to the time of Abraham, all the blessings of Abraham would also be through Christ and in Christ. So whenever God speaks to the fathers, for example, to reveal his will, to reveal his character, to feel, reveal who he is. For example, he spoke to Isaiah in visions. And for example, Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, each having six wings. And with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he covered his face. And with twain or two he did fly. And one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And that's, Isaiah was being given a revelation of God. Seeing Jesus before a birth, of the Son of God of Bethlehem. And notice here, Isaiah writes about it and said that Isaiah was slaughtered and killed because of these visions that he had seen Yahweh God, Jehovah God. 
The thing about it is, is John and John 12 and 41, looking at the Lord Jesus Christ doing all the miracles of the day. He's healing all manner that were sick, and he's casting out devils and so on. And this is what John writes. These things said Isaiah, or Isaiah, when he saw his, pointing at the Lord Jesus Christ, when he saw his glory and spake of him. Isaiah saw Jesus. Now Jesus, the Son, manifest in flesh. Here we find the Son of God is doing exactly as God said he would do when he would come to the earth. And Isaiah not only saw him and heard him and served him, but now he's walking as man, condescending to our lowly estate, healing all that were oppressed of the devil and that were sick. And John says, Isaiah spoke of him when he saw him. This is the one the angels stood around. This is the one was on the left and on the right. And what does Jesus do? He comes down and then he is lifted up between heaven and earth and placed on a cross instead of angels and seraphim and cherubim and the worship of heaven. Instead of the glory surrounding him, he has a thief on one side and he has a thief on the other. And around him were those who were casting insults on his teeth. The very one whom heaven bowed the knee and worshipped him is now on a cross hanging and bleeding and dying for our sins. Jacob saw him. Jacob saw him in Genesis chapter 28. We haven't time to go into that. But Jacob saw a ladder to heaven. When Jacob saw a ladder to heaven, it says the Lord stood at the top of the ladder. (laughs) He says he's seen the angels of God ascending and descending on this stairway or staircase or ladder. And the angels of the Lord are ascending and descending. And Jacob watching this, behold, the Lord God was at the top. And then when he becomes flesh, the Lord God comes down the ladder, as it were, and he walks among men to be hung on the tree of Calvary. What a blessed Christ. What a wonderful Savior. And this is the one Jacob saw. In fact, in John chapter 1 and verse 51, the Lord Jesus said, from henceforth you'll see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Just like the stairway, the ladder to heaven, you will see angels ascending and descending on me. And they came down to him in Gethsemane. Angels strengthened him. There's one came to him before that in the wilderness and strengthened him. Ascending and descending upon the Lord. So there were four questions that were asked by these visitors Three, as it were, angelic beings. One, one being God himself, the Logos, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, Jesus is not a created angel now. Don't get me wrong here. He is the almighty God. He is the almighty God, the creator and the maker of the heavens and the earth and all thing that is in them, that's who he is. But he takes this form to come to Abraham, to angels that are with him, go on to Sodom after our conversation to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And here in grace and in mercy again, he comes and he stands with Father Abraham. And here he sits with him and he eats with him and he fellowships with him. All of grace, brothers and sisters. What a picture of the Christ that was to come that's died in Calvary Street. That he would condescend to those of us and he would have fellowship with lowly figures such as you and I.
Notice the first question that he asks Abraham. And they find it in verse 9. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. Now, how would that test Abraham's faith? You see, what God is doing here, he was working in Abraham, even though he's asking him a question about Sarah. What if Sarah doesn't agree? What if Sarah doesn't believe? What if Sarah won't follow? Abraham, would you still go on with me? Can I ask you, brothers and sisters, what if your family doesn't agree? What if your husband, your wife, your spouse has fallen out of love with Jesus and says, I'm no longer going on with him. Will you still go on with him? Will you follow him whithersoever the Lamb leadeth you? Notice here, he's drawing it out of Abraham. Where is Sarah, thy wife? The Lord knew where Sarah was. Abraham knew where Sarah was. For Abraham uh, returns and answers in verse 10. He said, I, he says, pardon me, in verse 9, behold in the tent. The Lord knew where she was. But what the Lord does is he draws. Notice he says to Adam when it falls in the garden and they hide themselves because they realize they're naked. Adam, where art thou? God knew exactly where Adam was. 100% he knew where Adam was. He knew what tree or fig leaf or bush or whatever it was that he and Eve were hiding in. God knew all about him and where he was. And you see, that's the thing. We tend to think we don't. God doesn't know where we are. But what he was doing was rather than drive Adam out of hiding, he was drawing him out. Amen. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes along and he draws you out. He draws you out. He says, it's this way. This is the way walking in it. He comes to the sinner and he starts to illuminate and to quicken and to regenerate the heart that's dead before God. And he makes them alive to see Christ, the Son, hanging and bleeding and dying on the cross. He draws it out of you. He doesn't drive you, but he draws you. Oh, the irresistible grace that is found in the Spirit of God. Notice, we're told here, he says, Where is Sarah thy wife? Words to draw Abraham's heart. This was a test for Abraham. You know your wife. You know your wife, Abraham. You know her age. You know what she'll think. You know all about her. So where is she? She's in the tent. Let's talk about it, he says. Notice, it's a question to help him. And God speaks to a heart of a believer to draw it out of you, it's to help you. It's to give you his word to instruct you. And it's whether you and I take the word and live in that word or reject that word and go on our own way in rebellion toward him. It depends on what happens and how our relationship is with him or not. Notice what he says. He says, where is Sarah thy wife? Let me show you a couple of these things that's happened before where God was searching the hearts of men in the scriptures. For example, he says, 
Where art thou, Adam? It's the first question in the Bible. Do you know that? Where are you? Do you know what he asks later on? He asks Cain, Genesis 4, 9, Where is Abel thy brother? He's killed Abel. Abel's blood has been shed and soaking up in the ground. He says, where's Abel thy brother? Am I my brother's keeper? He knew where Abel was. He knew he had taken his life. He knew the sin that had been committed. He knew all about it. And he's saying, I want you to come out. I'm drawing you out. I want you to come and talk to me about it. I want you to come and be honest with me, Adam. I want you to come and be honest with me. Even Cain. Even though he was off the wicked one. He draws men. And he draws women. He draws them unto salvation. Or he draws them unto judgment and damnation. Because one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ as believers. It's how we have served him. And the unbeliever will be drawn to stand at the great white throne of judgment to be cast into a lake of fire. Notice, there's others here. For example, he says in Acts 9 to to Saul, 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 the risen, glorified, ascended Christ. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? I'm drawing it out of you, Saul. You're trying to imprison, enslave, even murder. You're trying to be partakers of these things because you're a Judaizer, because you're of the Pharisees, because of your religious ways. You're trying to kill my people. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You see, the wonderful thing it is, is in this that Jesus takes it personally whenever you try and hurt his own. <laughs> Jesus takes it personally. Why persecutest thou me? Jesus is in heaven. Yet the voice comes from heaven. And he says, you're persecuting me. And, and, and Saul uh, turns and he says, as he, as he falls to the ground, who art thy Lord? Lord is kurios, master, sovereign. He who is over all things. Who art thou? Saul knew exactly who Jesus was. People saying, uh, and I said it the other week, and by the way, uh, there's been a, quite a few developments about Asset and says that don't care what anybody thinks, Jesus Christ is God. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. And I did get a message about two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and it was okay from one person, from, from another person to them. But other developments of people who have said, and now I come on even to our site here, and they've had to delete some of them because some of the language. Derogatory, but toward Christ, the high is not God. And Saul says, Who art thou, Kurios, Lord, sovereign, complete in authority? He says, Thou art Yahweh. I am Jesus, or Yahshua, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks, he said. He says, Oh, you're going against me, but you'll fail. You won't win. I'm drawing you. Can God draw you tonight? Will you let the Spirit draw you? Draw you closer to Jesus? Draw you closer to His presence? Draw you closer into the ministry He's laying for you? He has ahead of you? Draw you closer into a place maybe where you've wandered from and drifted away from? The Spirit draws rather than drive. You see, here's the thing. Cattle are driven. Sheep are led. 
cattle are driven, but sheep are led. And those who we have to keep driving, I wonder, are they cattle or sheep? He must rather drive, pardon me, must draw than drive these men out of hiding. Listen to what he says in Matthew 16, verse 13 to his disciples. Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? I want to draw it out of you. Mark, I want to draw it out of you. He says, whom do men say I, the son of man, am? Boy. Well, some say thou art uh, uh, Elijah, or Elias, as they say, or Jeremiah, or John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. Is that who they say I am? And he says, whom say ye that I am? I'm going to draw it out of you. But never mind everybody else, Mark. Who do you say I am, he says. That's why, Mark. <laughs> Who am I to you, he says. Never mind the man next door. Never mind the person in front of you or behind you. Never mind your work colleague. Who say ye I am? Peter bowed his brass, but touched by the Spirit of God, thou art the Christ, Amen. Son of the living God. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is heaven. Amen. Oh, brothers and sisters, he draws, and he draws, and he draws. He said to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, he says, what think you of Christ? What think you of Christ? Oh, imagine if he sat me down. Go over the side, Mark. You're all right this time. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> Rachel. What if he says, what think you of Christ? See, the Spirit of God is here tonight. And this is what he says, what think you of Christ? Whose son is he? Whose son is he? Birth of the Holy Ghost, the Son of the Father. What do you think of Christ? We get derogatory things sometimes. I get them privately sometimes. But I can tell you what I think of Christ. He's my life. He's my all and all. He's my everything. He's the chiefest among any 10,000 of my soul. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. He's the in-between. He's the author and the finisher or the perfecter of my faith. Uh, he is the Lamb of God, yet he's God and the Lamb. He's the sin bearer. And he's the one who bore away my sin in his own body and paid my debt. Well, thank you of Christ tonight. So you see, here, these searching questions, he's asking, where is Sarah, thy wife? You're going to be glad to know that's one of my longest points of four. Where is Sarah, your wife? She's in the tent. Abraham. Second question is this. Do you realize that what I'm saying to you, you have to believe for yourself? 
We're told that Sarah laughed. You see, the Lord knew where Sarah was, and she was within earshot. And even though Abraham knew she was in the tent, he wasn't sure where she was hearing the conversation or not. You see, it wasn't just two minutes at the door. Remember, they're having a whole meal here. They're having roast lamb. They're sitting down. They're enjoying fellowship. They're spending time with each other. They're talking one to another. And while they're doing that, he's eating away and talking to them. I'll just show you what maybe our glorified body will be like. That whenever the Lord returns, we'll be able to eat. Glory. <laughs> Rock likes the food. <laughs> we'll be able to eat and drink, yet walk through walls. How do you know we'll walk through our walls? Well, you know, the disciples were in the, in the upper room with the door shut for fear of the Jews, and Jesus just happens to appear and walk right in the middle of them. Risen from the dead. He comes up and he says, Hold on me at sea, for a spirit of not flesh and bone as you see me have. He says, you want to test me? Handle me and see. A spirit of not flesh and bone. He didn't say flesh and blood. You know why? See, the blood's a life force, isn't it? Life is in the blood. It's the Holy Ghost right through. Amen. And that's what's going to change us, the Holy Ghost in us. And he ate with them. Notice, Sarah laughs. You see, the Word of God creates a response in the heart of every man and woman. Do you know that? In other words, they reject it or they accept it. Both as a response. The Word of God deserves and demands recognition and a reply, and it brings, listen, it brings responsibility to the hearer. Do you see whenever you're out maybe and some of you guys will go out witnessing in the streets or preaching or testifying or whatever or whether it's in here tonight when we're preaching the word or, or whatever we're doing for the Lord. Every time you tell someone of the sovereign grace of God found in Christ and every time you tell them of their sin and every time you tell them of the blood of the Lamb to cleanse them from their sin and they either accept or reject, they walk away with their own responsibility. Responsibility is now off your shoulders. So people will hear this and it's your responsibility now for what you've heard tonight and what you will hear. God will hold you responsible, brother, sister. God will hold you responsible and not me. There's no Puritan called William Sacker and he spoke on confession of coming before God. And he writes, many blush to confess their faults who never blush to commit them. Mm. Say it again, many blush to confess their faults who never blush to commit them. And so the second question is, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Now Abraham could have said, well, Lord, what are you asking me for? Responsibility here, Abraham. Lead your family. Notice here, wherefore did Sarah laugh? You see, the idea here is that Sarah laughed through unbelief. And God heard where Abraham didn't. 
God heard where man didn't, where Abraham didn't. And so he says, I know the very heart of the matter. Every man and every woman, I know the heart. You know, you, you, we can all come and I like to wear in the Sunday my suit in the morning, my suit in the evening, and some people don't, some people do. I personally like to wear it, and that's my preference. But listen, it's not about the suit, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. And I've seen enough people walking in as if they're coming from a Mormon convention in the church with their suits on. <laughs> and their heart's rotten. thing is they fool the pastor or the preacher. They may fool the brother and the sister, but the Lord looks upon the heart. Amen. The Lord looks upon the heart. Sarah laughed, notice, within herself. And the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Now Abraham is probably going, did she? God says, I heard it. And I know it. Romans chapter 2 and verse 16. Listen to what it says. God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And listen to Psalm 44 and verse 21. It says of God, he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Daniel said, there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. And listen, brother, sister, maybe you've been spoken wrongly off. Maybe you've been slandered or maybe you've been hurt and no one knows about it. Listen, he knows about it. He knows about it. Leave it with him. Leave it with him. So why did Sarah laugh? In her unbelief, She's laughing. You know, two old codgers like this. You know, 99 and 90, something like that. And the Lord says, there's going to be a prom at the door. Amen. <laughs> you are laughing too. <laughs> yeah, prom at the door yet, sister. Here's the thing about it. Here's the thing about it. God was going to do a miracle creative work in the womb of Sarah. And old Abraham, things ain't what they used to be. God was going to touch him that they would be able, they would be able to bring forth seed unto the promise of the Lord. The impossible and the promise was about to come to pass. You can trust him and you can believe him. Notice this. Third. The third one is this. Genesis 18 and verse 13. The Lord said unto Abraham. Wherefore did Sarah laugh saying. Shall I have a surety bear a child which I'm old. Notice verse 14. Here it is. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You and I, if we're honest with each other, can say there's nothing too hard for you. 
and then sometimes in the night watches or on the times of loneliness and the times of disappointment, even disillusionment and discouragement. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. I believe it, but the heart truly doesn't accept it. It's honestly. It's honestly. He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? This is one of the mountain peak verses of the Bible. Do you know that? Because if we can grasp hold of this, you know what this tells us? We can turn the world upside down. Amen. It's in Genesis, the book of beginnings, the seedbed of the Bible. And what a verse and what a line. What a saying, what a question, what a hope to give someone. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. This is the God we say who's going to come and raise the dead. Amen. Think about it. This is the God who says he's going to gather them out of the depths of the sea. This is a God who's going to gather, as it were, that we know the DNA and gather it together and change it in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I believe in the resurrection. Why? Is it because it's just future? Or do we believe in him now? It's because we can't grasp it. It's because we believe him now. Is anything too hard for the Lord? What a verse. What a line. What a saying. What a hope to start your faith and your walk with. Your life with. To face your giant with. Hear that? What a, what a question to you to face your giant with. To face your battle or your illness, to chase the enemy with, to overcome the difficulties with, whether they're spiritual or mental or physical or financial or natural or supernatural, visible or invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers that come against you, whether they be things past or present or the future, all manner of circumstances, situations and seasons of trial and trouble, testing and temptation and turbulence, which render you helpless, hopeless, horrified and hurting. What a line! What a question! He says, is anything too hard for the Lord? What's your reply, brothers and sisters? What's your reply? Is anything too hard for him? Second Corinthians seven and five, Paul tells us of himself without were fightings, within were fears. I think we could say, Paul, we understand that. Without our fightings, within our fears. But the word of the Lord comes and says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Notice Matthew 19 and verse 26. It says, the Lord says, with God all things are possible. He who created all things surely controls all things. Isn't that right? With God all things are possible. And in Hebrews 1 and verse 3 it says, he's upholding all things by the word of his power. In other words, the one who we have read about and talked about and preached about and talked, told about this very evening who came to Abraham, who Isaiah saw, who Jacob saw. Who John says, Isaiah spoke of him. The one who bore away our sin 
the one who paid our debt, the one who shed his blood, the one who ascended into glory, the one who's interceding for us at the right hand of God this very evening. The man in the glory. The man in the glory. He tells us tonight, he's also the one who's upholding all things by the word of his power. You see, he spoke at once and he doesn't have to keep coaxing planet earth to keep spinning. And he doesn't have to keep telling the sun to stay still. And he doesn't have to keep telling the moon to revolve around our planet. And he doesn't have to tell the billions and the trillions of the stars to keep on shining. He spoke it and it was so. And he says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? You see, Genesis 18 and verse 14, is anything too hard for the word? The word hard is the word pala. And it's also the same word for, it means wonderful. Nothing too wonderful. I'll give you an example. Lord, this thing is too wonderful. I, I, I can't overcome it. This thing is too big. It's, it's like that sort of wonderful, not wonderful, beautiful, but wonderful, mighty and big and overwhelming and overtowering me and overcoming me and I can't get through it and I can't handle it and I can't deal with it. And it's the exact same word here the Lord says. Is there anything too wonderful for me though? You get the saying of it? Yeah, it might, it might overcome you, Ken. It may overcome you, son, you daughter, you child, you're my child. It may overcome you, it may overwhelm you, and it may be something that's towering over you that you feel defeated in. He says, but it's too wonderful for your God. The one who spoke the very words into being and frames them there for eternity. Is anything too hard, too wonderful for the Lord? You see, the... Pala, the same word is used for 9-6. The word wonderful. Unto us, a child is born. And unto us, a son is given. Eh? Here he's speaking of Christ. And then he says his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonder. The mighty God. The everlasting Father, and He's the Prince of Peace. And brothers and sisters, may we be encouraged tonight that no matter what we're facing, the trials or troubles or tribulations that you're going through, there's nothing too hard for Him. God's delays in your life may not be His denials. Only someone wonderful can do this. Well, you've got a wonderful God. Notice what Psalm 40 and verse 5 says. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. You've done many wonderful works. So what's this one to you tonight? What is this one? Puritan Christopher Ness, he wrote concerning the Lord, he says, All things but lying, dying, and denying himself are possible with God. <laughs> he can't lie. He can't let you down. He can't die. He's the ever-living one. And he can't deny himself. When he sends forth his word, it will not return unto him void. 
All things but lying, dying, and denying himself are, impossible, are, are possible with God. And brothers and sisters, these things, lying, dying, and denying, are not weakness of God, but rather they are strengths of the Lord. I love this. I want to quote an old Puritan to you. Love their writings. Puritan Thomas Brooks. Listen to what he says. This is beautiful. God hath in himself all power to defend you, all wisdom to direct you, all mercy to pardon you, all grace to enrich you, all righteousness to clothe you, all goodness to supply you, and all happiness to crown you. That's your God. So he says, is anything too hard or wonderful for the Lord? Listen, brothers and sisters, you might say, it's going to take something supernatural in my life. You know what? See what's supernatural to you and what is supernatural to me. It's just natural to him for he's a supernatural God. <laughs> he's a supernatural God. God's question to Abraham was to draw Abraham. Come on, Abraham. I'm going to give you a promise. You're going to be the father of many nations. He later says, well, kings shall come out of thee. It's happened. Nations shall form out of thee. He says, but you're, and listen, Abraham even died in faith, not receiving this. But he believed God that even when he dies, the word will still continue on and what God had said would come to pass. So we're told that Abraham believed God. Notice, Abraham believed God. It doesn't say he believed in God. He did believe in God. Of course he did. We can believe in God. We believe in God through Christ, don't we? We believe in what God's done in the, through Christ on the cross. We believe in the power of the blood. We believe in the Holy Spirit that's given to us. We believe that. We believe in God. Amen. But believing God's something else. That's right. Believing Him is something else. Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Here, God's question to Abraham was to draw him, not to drive him. To having full faith in him, it, was to, it was, wasn't too hard and wonderful, but rather to show Abraham that he was to have these children even in his own age. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Fourth and final question. Genesis 18 and in verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Abraham, do you believe me? Yes. So then will I hide from you the revelation of me? Oh. See, we start, we start getting more revelation of God. Our lives are challenged. The more revelation of him in prayer and the reading of his word, Bible study and so on, the more revelation of God, the more challenged I feel it all the time. This is what he says. He says, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? For example, Psalm 25 and verse 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he showeth them his covenant. <laughs> 
What? The secret of the Lord? Do you know the great covenant with Abraham was multiplicity of seed? Absolutely, and we are it. But the great covenant of the Lord that was hidden from before the foundation of the world was Calvary. Calvary, the cross work of Christ for our salvation and redemption. Oh, that he says, see this covenant, it's a secret with me, but there's coming a time I'm going to reveal it unto whosoever I will by my spirit. You have a great revelation, you know. We can have revelation of theophany. We can have revelation of pillars of fire and pillars of cloud and burning bushes We can have revelation of all of these wonderful things, but the greatest revelation from the secret heart of Almighty God our Father was this, that He came in the person of His Son to hang on a cross and bled and died for us. And men who are dead, women who are dead, walking dead in their trespasses and in their sins, unable to acknowledge receive or believe in God, he comes along and he quickens you who were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. That's the secret of the covenant of God. That he alone himself could come and redeem us from the curse of the law. He says, shall I hide from Abraham that which I do? I'm closing here with a thought or two. In Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth, revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Now listen, brothers and sisters. The more I hear, the more I hear of others who denounce the things of the Spirit, the more I realize they're dumb dogs. That's hard. But they can cross T's, and they can dot I's, and they'll throw out the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, listen, be careful. Because God has given us his spirit for revelation of himself. Revelation of himself. Notice. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Notice in chapter 18 and verse 19, Yahweh says concerning Abraham, he says, for I know him. For I know him. He knows all of us. He knows everybody, doesn't he? The idea here is, he says, no, the one whom I'm giving this to, I'm drawing this out of you just to see. Listen, God knew the heart of Abraham. But Abraham didn't know Abraham's heart. That makes sense. Yeah. Lord, if you got me to, if I don't, don't be doing the lottery now. I'm going to mention it, but don't be. I'm not saying you should do the lottery. Lord, if I won ten million on the lottery, Lord, I would just give it the air work, and they disappear. <laughs> don't they? See their own hearts deceiving them. Lord, I would tithe it. Yeah, right. A million. Don't know our own hearts. Heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, 
Search the heart and I try the reins, he says. I remember for years, I was, uh, for a very few years, and it wasn't long before I got married, and then when we, when we first got married for a couple of years or so, or a few into it, and I walked out early every morning seeking the face of the Lord. First of all, I was seeking for the baptism of the Spirit. And it took three years, every day. Every day. It's precious to me, brothers and sisters. It's precious to me. And I remember walking along the top of where the York Road is, and there's, there's the park was up, and there's a building there now, but it was all just a hill. I'm walking along the top early in the morning, and there's no one around. I'm praying away, and Lord, I would do anything for you. Lord, I would go every, anywhere for you. You speak the word, hear my Lord, send me, and blah, blah, blah. Ken, waffle, waffle, waffle. And one day the Lord turns around and he says, the Lord comes and he speaks to me and he says, I want you to give everything you have away. Go tell your wife you're leaving the country, both of you. You're going to a mission field. Where am I going, Lord? Romania. Lord, I, 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 I'll go anywhere but there. <laughs> That's true. I meant it. Every day I meant it. I'll go anywhere you want me to go, Lord. I'll do anything you want me to do, Lord. Baptize me in your spirit and, and lead me on. Oh, God, I ain't going to just waff around, waff around here. and just Everything's going to be great. You lead me and I will follow where he leads me. I will go for I've learned to trust him so. Yeah, right. Until he came and he says, here you are. And I'm up there and I go, Lord, please don't do this. I just moved into a new house and had it all renovated and decorated for three months or so. And my young wife, newly in this house, all newly fangled, sat in her wee nest up. And I'm going to go here and tell her that we're going to give her all this away and go. It came on me so heavy. I went, okay. Lord, walking down towards the house, Lord, please speak there. <laughs> Truth. Please, Lord, go before me. It'll break her heart. When I got into the house, there she was at the kitchen. It was a long kitchen. House with, it was a terrace house, but it was a nice house. And there she was at the end of it. We had to cook her, and I could only see her back. And I thought, is she all right? And I went down. There she was, and floods of tears stand at the cooker. I says, what's wrong? I thought somebody had took ill or died or had been in an accident. I said, what's wrong? This is before our girls came in. I said, what's wrong? And she turns around, the tears are flying from her, and she points to a wee blue-covered King James Bible her granda had bought for her. Couldn't speak. Tears flying from her. I said, come on, sit down. We sat down at the table, and I went, it was like this. You want me to get this? Couldn't speak. Sat it down, and she flicked open the, the scriptures, and she, she went like that in a red where the Lord fell on his face in Gethsemane. Fell on his face. The Spirit drew her and showed her Christ. And she turned to me and says, Ken, the Lord has told me and I don't know how to tell you. We have to give everything away. It's true. I said, it's all right, dear. 
he answers prayer because I was praying to tell you before I got down home. <laughs> That's true. Oh, but when it comes to the heart, oh, we have good intentions and good intentions are not enough. Because when it comes to the heart, the test, he draws it out and he says, do you really believe? Do you really believe me? Would you really do it for me? He knows, but we don't know our own hearts. He reveals himself through his name until his son. Then gives us of his spirit to reveal the further things of Christ. And he says here, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? The word hide here, it's a root word to plump up or to fill out hollows, like a hollow, to fill something out. That's the idea. Shall I hide over? Gives the idea to wear loose clothing to be able to cover a shape. <laughs> I, I seen a, a video clip of someone dressed in a burqa. And they had the black, you know, the the whole black one. I, I, I can't remember the name of it. And it goes right down. It's all baggy. And I don't even know if they were Muslim or not. And they stopped them in the store because they came, were going out looking rather plump than what they were when they went into the store. <laughs> and I watched this video with, you know, it was interesting. What is going on? And the police had come. And lo and behold, and they were pulling out... They were pulling out, I was going to say a ham shank, it wasn't ham at all. Uh, <laughs> things of meat, you know, whether it was beef or lamb or what it was. And, and then next thing, it was, they were putting out toilet rolls. and <laughs> I don't know what it was, couldn't make it all out. And they were filling the floor with it. And they were all of a sudden starting to look like they lost a lot of weight. And then the video was off, that's all I've seen of it. And the idea is that the Lord says, will I cover up like that? Will I hide from my people? Will I cover up that which you should know? Will I cover up that which should be revealed unto you, Abraham? Unto you, child of God. He says, you're in my son. Will I cover it up from you? Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? And it plays, will I wear loose clothing that you can't find me? Matthew Poole said, he says, I will not, I cannot hide it, for it is against the laws of my friendship to conceal secrets from you. And you and I in Christ, the righteousness of Christ upon us are friends of God. And he says, in our relationship, I won't hide my things from you. Lord Jesus is with the, the Pharisees and they look at him and he says, before Abraham was, I am. In other words, I am the I am. I am before he was born. Lord Jesus said that. And they looked and they said, I'm paraphrasing, Lord, not yet 50 years old and thou sayest thou hast seen Abraham. How can you say you've seen Abraham? I'm sure he's dead, what, 3,000 years ago? Can you say that you've seen Abraham? 
Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. He says, Abraham, your father, he says, if he was your father, that's what he's saying, rejoice to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. (laughs) You know what? We are living in that day. We're living under the blood of the Lamb. We're living under the promises of God. For the promise of God in him are yea and in him are amen. We're living with it as it were behind us. We're living in the present moment of it. And Abraham died not receiving or seeing the promise. But you know what the idea is? He reached down in faith and he says, you will not let me down even though I go to the grave. And there's going to be a time should Jesus tarry that every one of us will go to the grave. Every one of us. But I'm going to tell you, we're reaching out in faith that when he returns, <laughs> he won't forget us. He will not leave our soul in hell or the grave. Neither will he suffer his holy ones to see corruption because Christ lives, we shall live also. <laughs> and he will raise us again from the sod. Oh, brothers and sisters, let's take the word tonight and be encouraged in it. That Christ is still on the throne. God bless his word to all of us this evening. Amen. Team, would you come up, please?